John, are we getting overtime? Well, we should. We got the big get, a big, a really big get, Brian Rollab. Number two at the NFL. And we're back again, the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, we had Eric Shanks, Big Get, CEO of Fox Sports. They kind of think they might get more than 115 million viewers for the Super Bowl uh, that's coming up Sunday. And then now the chief media officer for the NFL, Brian Rollop. Is going to join us. We'll have him in moments. But first, who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, lead us off. My who's up? Jimmy Pataro, chairman of ESPN. Maybe now the emperor of ESPN. <laughs> Bob Iger uh, with Disney announced new silos in terms of how uh, ESPN and other parts of the company are going to be managed. And Jimmy Pitaro is going to oversee everything in sports, a bigger role for Pitaro uh, under Iger. Iger loves him. Iger hired him. Uh, so it's going to be Pitaro's world, Pitaro's vision, which it already kind of was, but even more so, I think, now um, with the new reorg from Disney. You know, nobody talks about uh, Bob Iger's replacement as being Jimmy Pitaro. This sets him up now to be in that conversation. Certainly. You always love to give these executives like a new job. You're like a, you're like a headhunter. He for just executives. got this job. He just yeah. got this job. All right, let him, let you him know, get, get my feet wet in the <laughs> job. Yeah, What's next, the, Andrew? <laughs> he's, he's got the secession plan. Come on. All right, there you go. Who you my, got? My who's up? I, look, the Marshall and Oran Sports Media Podcast has made it. We're on Radio Row with this podcast. And on Radio Row, there is nobody that's drawing bigger crowds than Pat McAfee, who is at the FanDuel, uh, it's a big FanDuel branded um, uh, set that's just right in the corner of Radio Row. Every time he comes on, there are crowds of people. There are people taking pictures. And I just remarked five years ago, could you imagine on Radio Row, like there's almost no radio. It's a, it's a FanDuel set with this guy that came, like uh, has a like YouTube channel that has that that is drawing the biggest crowds. Pat McAfee is somebody who uh, is, I've, I've always respected as being like just really popular, taking a really different route than uh, most other uh, people on, on television. And you can just see it here. 100%. All right, my who's down, Michael Irvin. Uh, very odd circumstances and scenario uh, this week where Irvin came, he's gonna be part of NFL Network's coverage. And then he was, uh, banished from their coverage, not a part of it at all. Uh, an incident that he described on a Dallas radio station at a local hotel. Uh, it's very unclear what happened, but Michael Irvin out at the Super Bowl in terms of coverage. What does that mean for his future? ESPN also not using him this week now. Uh, so uh, it's a really sad story, uh, but uh, definitely a who's down for Michael Irvin. My who's down, I'm going to the Pac-12 and George Kliakoff. There, There is a sports rights bubble. And the sports right bubble is going to burst and it's not going to affect the haves. The NFL is still going to get paid. Uh, obviously, they, they have deals going for the next 11 years. The NBA is sitting pretty. Hockey just got paid. The Pac-12 rights are up right now. And you can see with this Disney announcement and your who's up of Jimmy Bataro, 
They're, uh, they're going to make hard decisions about what sports matter. Really, what are essential sports and what are not essential sports? And if you're ESPN, essential sports are the NFL, the NBA, the ACC, SEC, Big 12. Does a Pac-12 sneak in there? I'm beginning to think that, that, that there might be more, more problems than that. Yeah, I don't think Amazon, Amazon might do a deal for, I don't think they want the tonnage. I think they would want the number one game. And I definitely think they're not going to overpay for it. So if they go to Amazon, if they end up on streaming, you want to get paid if you end up on streaming uh, exclusively, especially your top games. And I don't think that's going to happen. In Fox, we had Eric Shanks on the other day, and he basically told you that uh, that they do it if it's a really advantageous deal. But if not, they're not interested. So yeah, you've yeah. been on that for a while, and and it is true. Their deals are not tonnage deals. Their deals are about you know Thursday night football, one package of 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 the NFL. It's a, you know about getting Boxing Day games in the EPL. It's not about getting every single EPL game. So, hundred percent. John, the big get this week. Brian Rolap, longtime listener, chief business <laughs> officer, listener, chief business officer of NFL Media. Graduated from BYU with a degree in English, and then completed his master's in business administration at Harvard. He's been with the NFL since 2003, and he he's the one who was the lead negotiator in the deals with. Amazon and all the networks, $110 billion, pretty good. He also just did the Sunday ticket agreement for around $2 billion with YouTube. He's in the SBJ 40, under 40 Hall of Fame. Eric Shanks, the other day, he's in, so uh, pretty good honor it's there. It's a prerequisite of the big get. You have to be in the Hall of Fame. Is that right? Yeah, to come. That's and, right. And here's the thing, Brian. I got a source that told me, told the pod, fantasy football team is called hot buttered corn oh gosh yes. is that accurate that is accurate how did you how did hot buttered corn do this year i well that's not that's the fantasy league name ah okay i came in third okay a respectable third this year same fantasy football group since i had in college by the way all the same guys so I've had varying levels of performance. Third was a nice finish this year. All right, it's pretty good. Yeah, and, yeah still playing all these years. Still playing all these years. That's impressive. Yeah. All right, so Andrew just read off the list. You did all the TV deals. They're they're done for the next 11 years, uh, pretty much. I mean, the out in seven, I guess. Uh, you did the um, Sunday ticket deal as well. Uh, so what are you going to, what do you do now? You oversee media. All the media deals are done. Well, first, I guess I got to start listening to your podcast, which is new for me. <laughs> I wasn't aware this existed. I'm kidding. I think there's a lot of work to be done. I think, um, look, putting those deals in place were really important. Uh, they're important for the stability of the league. Uh, but there, there's more work to do. Um, first and foremost, to effectuate those deals, you, you constantly have to work on them. I mean, they do change over the time period. And you had Eric Shanks yesterday. He'll tell you about it. Um, they never end up looking the same really by the end of the term as they are because things change and you adapt. Um, and it's also a heavy lift to, to get them to work. Um, you take Sunday Ticket, for example, working with Google, who's a new partner. Um, what's the product going to look like? It's the first time we've moved it to a digitally only platform. How is it going to work? How are we going to market it? How can we support them? That There's a lot of work that goes in. So this perception and and the NFL is not unique that way. The perception that you do these sports deals and there's nothing left to do is, is sort of not really an accurate one. Um, so that, that's clearly a focus. Um, other focus, look, we have our owned and operated assets, which we are bullish on. We've launched NFL Plus, which is our move into direct-to-consumer. 
uh, how we shift that business into a digital business is we've been working on that for a few years. We'll continue to work on that. Um, our new venture with uh, Skydance, uh, we think there's a huge opportunity in non-game sports content, uh, effectuating that partnership and growing that where we own half of the entity um, is gonna be a lot of work. Um, so I think there's plenty to do on top of that international growth, which is a focus, as you know. Um, so there's never, there's never a dull moment. Um, so, and so we'll, so we'll let's, be busy. Let's talk about uh, the Sunday ticket deal. Okay. Which I, I've interviewed you about like probably for two years, always asking what's taking so long on yeah. it. And you always had the same answer. Which was what? That's what that's what your neighbors tell you, ask, ask you every time you uh, leave the house. Yeah, I, I, th that's been fascinating to watch because the media was very interested in that deal. The front runner would change every two months. It was Apple, then it was, meaning the press's perception. Mm -hmm. It was Amazon, it was Apple, it was somebody else, it was. Um, it, it took a long time because uh, we were really deliberate and thoughtful about what we wanted to do. There was thinking, do we combine it with our own and operated assets and do something different, meaning the NFL Network, Red Zone Channel? Um, do we do it ourselves? We looked at that for a long time. Um, we talked to all sorts of partners, traditional, digital, some you know, some you don't, uh, and felt that there was a real opportunity to do something different. It's a, it's, a, it's a product that, for all intents and purposes, has not changed in almost 30 years. It clearly has been on satellite all of that time, but even the product itself hasn't changed. We were doing this on the backdrop of having all the other media deals done, so we could really afford to be patient and thoughtful about it. And so we took, we, we went down every route um, until at the end, I think we had made a decision ultimately strategically. We liked the idea of moving this product to digital. We always thought that of all of our rights packages, this is the one that lent itself to pure digital distribution more than anything. Uh, we also thought it was a great opportunity to bring another big tech player into the NFL family. Uh, mm -hmm. We had done that with Amazon, uh, bringing in Google. And so ending all of these me this media cycle with strong current partners who are clearly strong in traditional media, but evolving. So giving them more rights to be more digital. And then on top of that, bringing in two really powerful tech partners into the ecosystem, we thought was a great long-term win for us. And so that's really why it took a while. And we were down a million different paths. How will it be different? Well, I think first and foremost, the obvious one is it'll be digitally distributed. It will be um, only through IP, right? Um, second, uh, it'll be offered in a couple ways. It'll be part of a pay TV bundle on YouTube TV, uh, which I think is the only growth going on in pay television is through YouTube TV uh, with not only stealing share, but actually bringing people back or bringing people to pay TV if you actually look at their numbers. Um, the second way it'll be different is it'll be available without pay TV. So if you just want to buy it for a different price on YouTube proper, not part of YouTube TV, you can do that. And that's the first time we've, we've done that. So that's the, on the most basic level. I think there's a lot of things on a product level that we are talking about that they are working on uh, to change it. Um, when you move it to a digital platform, uh, you can do a lot more than just linear distributing. So it's like what, like what could you do? Well, you can do interactive features. You can do different viewing features of how you put them side by side. Clearly the mobile and smaller screen experience is gonna be outstanding because YouTube's so strong there, all of the growth is in, in mobile. And there's, and you know, we're also thinking about, which we haven't made any decisions, do you create a new product? Do you do a lighter version? 
um, and we haven't made any decisions there, but you will see that. What would that mean? What's a lighter version well, mean? Like you just do like I could get the Steelers if I want? Well, I don't know if we'll go team by team, but like, could you get fewer games for a lesser price? Could you? I think that's all up for debate and conversation. Um, it's been distributed one way for so long. I think there's probably a lot of opportunity between the all you can eat and something uh, and free television. I think there's a lot of room there to explore. Uh, and I think we're going to explore that with them. So how do you balance the needs and desires of Sunday afternoon broadcasters with trying to grow Sunday ticket? Yeah, I think, again, we, we think Sunday ticket, it always has been. And we think going forward will be an add on premium product. That's how it'll be priced. Yeah. That, do you know the price? Uh, I don't know the price. We technically don't set the price. OK, um, uh, YouTube will set the price, but that's very much in line with their vision of a premium additive product. Uh, that's one reason where their pitch was really heavy YouTube TV, which we liked. Um, that's a growing product for them. They're committed to it. Uh, and that clearly is complementary to what we do. So I think it's always a balance, um, but we believe how it'll be priced and how to be positioned. It will be complementary and premium on top of Sunday afternoon. You mentioned earlier about uh, you looked into uh, selling stakes in NFL media as, as, as part of this deal. Is that is that still uh, something that you're looking into doing, selling stakes in that? And why th did you decide not to make that a part of this deal? Yeah, there's a lot of conversation and, and quite frankly, a lot of confusion about what we were trying to accomplish. Um, I, you know, we are big believers in our owned and operated assets, uh, NFL Network, digital NFL films. There are a lot of advantages of having those. And so the, the same reasoning of why we establish them hold true today, which is we believe football is a 24-7, 365 um, product. There's demand for that. We think there's even more room to grow there. We believe having an asset in which we control uh, has lots of strategic benefits. There's a ton of innovation and experimentation that come with that. The obvious examples are we use it to expand the draft, which if you think about what the draft was before the NFL Network, started to simulcast and add to it versus what it is today, the NFL Network played a gigantic role in that. Um, the NFL Network uh, it really brought the combine to be the event that it is that we think have a ton of room to grow and we'll continue to use it for that. And also Thursday Night Football doesn't exist without the NFL Network. It started with a six game experiment to see could we play football. We have controlling that package on our own asset allowed us to grow it over time in a very deliberate strategy to where it is today. So. Those all hold true. The difference is, is the world has changed and you can no longer do that with just linear. And so our view of a partnership was never to sell the assets. It was never just as simple as let's take an equity investment for a liquidity event. It was always about what are the ingredients we need to continue this mission into the next 10 years? And you look at those things, the, the, the ingredients for success, sure there's capital, um, but there is, uh, uh, technology capability. There's additional digital distribution. There's content and content investment. We would look for partners on all those that could come in the form of an equity investment that could come in the form of a different type of partnership. So we did not have a preconceived deal outcome when we entered the process. It was more about we're committed to these things. We want to grow them. We think we need a partner. We decided to kind of go public with it because there's going to be a ton of speculation about it anyway, so we might as well just let everybody know so there's no confusion. It does sound like your ideal partner would be a media or tech company, though, that, to help 
grow that, right? Yeah, I think it. I think it lends you to that. I think, quite frankly, you could have a financial partner, but money is a commodity. Mm. There's there's a ton of it out there. Money I think the NFL a, has enough money. Brian. Well, yeah, and I think there's efficient ways to finance something, but you know, we don't need a private equity firm. We need strategic partners who are gonna who are gonna move the needle on some of these hard things that it takes to succeed in, in a in a media landscape that's going to change more in the 10 than it has in the previous 50. Now, we this kind of goes back a little bit to YouTube, but there was a perception at some points that Apple was going to be uh, your partners uh, for Sunday Ticket. And then there was kind of a perception that maybe you guys are used to getting your way a certain way. Apple's used to getting their way and you guys are staring at each other kind of, you know, used to that. How did that go with Apple and what happened there in terms of that negotiation? Yeah, there was a lot of like outside perception of what the conversations were. I mean, again, we talked to a lot of people. Um, and again, all of these entities are attacking this change in the landscape from completely different places in different business models. And so all of our discussions were never about can't get our way or you get your way. It was always about, is there a fit and does this align with your future view of the world? And I think a lot of these companies and a lot of these entities are figuring that out. And so if you if you listed the people who are making investments in sports, who are tech companies or non-tech companies, they all have a different approach. They all will agree, for the most part, how the world is changing. Linear is declining. Digital is increasing. There's a proliferation of direct consumer products. There's probably going to be a rebundling. They all say the same things, but how they are attacking that are from different angles, and the ultimate businesses that they're in are just different. So there, there's no simple rights deal, license, advertising, go. It's much more complicated than that. So our whether we, with any particular potential partner, whether we succeeded or didn't succeed, had very little to do with that and more about was there a fit. And these things take time. Um, and so we're still looking at that. We'll still look at that with the with the base of media deals we have. We, we can afford to be really patient and strategic about it. And that's, that's how we think about it. Now, your job, you oversee a lot of different things. And part of it is NFL media in terms of internally. Uh, Roger Goodell yesterday was asked by Jim Trotter of the NFL Network about uh, leadership and diversity. Um, what is your feeling on terms of how you guys are doing that to reflect the players on the field in your newsrooms and et cetera across the board in terms of uh, your organizations? Yeah, I think I think you heard from the commissioner yesterday uh, the strive to create diversity within the league at all levels is an, is a, is an ongoing and never ending one. Um, I've been in the league a long time, and I think over the past six, seven years, I can't think of a major NFL meeting that we've had with owners or any any constituency where this hasn't been on the agenda and a real focus. And and so it's been a lot of work. Um, I heard Jim's comments yesterday, and I think Jim is someone who's really focused on this, as, as a lot of us are. Um, I think it, when you look at, I think his questions were really around NFL media in the newsroom. If you look at NFL media, uh, we've made a lot of progress. Um, I think 58% of our hires last year were people of color in NFL media. Um, I think our three uh, most senior executive hires over the last two years have all been people of color. I think the newsroom where Jim works and was talking about specifically, um, it's a small group. I think we've had maybe three positions come shake loose and be open in the last two years. Uh, uh, so we've made three hires and one of which was a person of color. So I think there's always more work to do, but I think we've made a lot of progress over the last decade 
um, and um, we'll continue to do that. I want to switch gears for a second, talk about the new media deals yeah. uh, that are coming up. Uh, flex scheduling on Monday nights. How is that going to work? Well, I think it's 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 limited in how many weeks we will do it. Right. There's only a handful of weeks we will do it. I think we will make those decisions with a defined period of time. So it won't be it won't be um, full flex on all all uh, every week. Right. So it'll be limited. In it. And we'll do like we've done on the other flex. Well, there'll be some protections in Sunday afternoon. And for those non-protected games, we'll 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 flex them. We'll do it with enough notice, knowing that for a fan moving from one o'clock to four o'clock or four o'clock to eight o'clock on a Sunday is one thing. Moving from an entire day is something else. And so we want to be sensitive to season ticket holders and fans, especially late in the year where weather plays a factor. Um, so that's how we'll approach it. And again, flexible scheduling, um, we've made a lot of strides across all of our packages. Sunday Night Football is the original one. We do a ton of cross flex, as you guys know, um, in Sunday afternoon. Um, we created a week 18 and those Saturday windows are essentially all flex. We don't schedule week 15 Saturday windows. Uh, we wait until a few weeks out to do that. And so we're applying that to Monday in a limited fashion. We'll get smarter and if it get and if we can be more aggressive, we'll get more aggressive. So we're, we're, we're easing into it. But we're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. When you say limited, does that mean three? Like, again, I know it's going to be different maybe every year. Yeah. But is there like a number that's in that contract or in your mind, it's like three or four times you can do that? Or what's Yeah, there's, the a, there's a number. I, I won't really talk about it, but there's it's a number. But that's sort of in that range where we'll do it a and handful I, of weeks. And again, remember, flex scheduling at its core, at its origin, when we started on Sunday Night Football, it wasn't about let's get the best game available. Mm -hmm and just improve a primetime package. It was about, you're making the schedule in, in April and May. It's hard to look at week 15 with any degree of certainty, especially in a league that is completely based on parity and know that you've picked a winner. We need to make sure we don't have any real tough games that don't matter. That's job number one. Yeah. So it's really a safety valve. Um, and then on top of that, then you say, can you substantially improve it? Can you put the best games in the best windows with these jigsaw pitchers? That's where it's kind of going. Um, so it's all it's a continual evolution is what it is. And so, when are we going to get Al Michaels so he doesn't have some Mazdas on Thursday? Uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to sell Mazdas when I mean, is that what's the timetable in terms of, you know, Roger Goodell mentioned that the other day. What's the timetable in terms of possibly having some flex scheduling on Thursday nights? Yeah, I th there, there's nothing intimate. I think I think Roger's comments were a lot about um, and, and I think he said this in the context of one of the great things about being here and being at the league. And, and I believe one of the principal reasons for the, any success the league has had is that there are no really sacred cows in a lot of ways, is we always look at everything, break it down to see if we can improve it. Um, and uh, the schedule has been a great example of that over the last five to 10 years. I think one day, if Monday goes well, could we do that on Thursday? What would that entail? There's nothing we're about to announce, but we're always looking, can you improve it? Can you get better? Uh, and how do you do that? What are the trade-offs? And so. Um, that's always an idea. And I, I look, I've been here long enough to, to remember when just the idea of playing on Thursday was looked at. You can't do it. You can never do it. Um, things change. And as you yep. learn and you get better and you get smarter, you realize. I mean, one thing COVID taught us where we didn't miss a game, you can be really flexible if you need to be. Um, you can move the league quickly on things. You can schedule games. You can do a lot of things if you put the right effort into it and out of that situation 
you know, COVID, we had, did it out of necessity. And, you know, there's a saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think we learned a lot from it. And I think we'll continue to apply those lessons going forward. Brian, the, uh, the TV deals that you did, that, that was the single biggest deal story that I've ever written, beating the previous NFL uh, 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 deals that were done. You have a seven year out in that, which is not not unusual for, for your, your your types of deals. Uh, look forward like seven years. Like, what are some of the things that you would be looking at that would compel you to say, like, you know, let's open this up? Look, we've always thought about uh, our deals that when you operate in uncertain environments, you put a premium on flexibility. Um, you know, because anyone who tells you what the world's going to look like in seven to 10 years is lying to you. They don't know. So you put a premium on flexibility. And so I do think while I don't know what the world will look like exactly, and I have ideas like everybody else does and thoughts, and that's all they are. I do know that the things that have propelled the lead to success, I think will still hold true. I still think a huge part of our success is maximizing reach where we can, right? There's always a trade-off of reach and money and different things, but we have always, and again, I, I've talked a lot about this. Pete Rosell got this in the 60s. It's not really all that different. If you can maximize reach in national windows, uh, you can build a sport and, and build fans. The second, having more than just one partner, uh, because if you can actually create value for those partners and the many partners as you can have, who feel like they have something different and differentiated and want to get behind it, invest in it, that's better having five than one. Uh, I think we'll always want multiple partners. Um, so what that will look like, how the media landscape will consolidate or deconsolidate, who will win or who will lose, I don't, I don't know the answers to that. But when you have the core principles which will operate to, number one, and number two, add that to flexibility we built into our uh, deals and as long as we make sure the football is as good as it possibly can be on the field, I like our chances. And so that's 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 how that's that's the simple way that we think about it. When you look at NFL Plus, like what are you trying to accomplish? Where is it going? You, you talk about seven years. You talk about eleven years. Where what are you trying? What does that need to become for you? And, and where does that fit in? Yeah, I think NFL Plus is really our uh effort to do what a lot of media companies are doing is how do you manage this transition from linear to digital um there's been a lot of news around disney today and bob Iger's comments about which i agree with i've always agreed with which is why linear is weakening it's not going away um whatever projection you have of pay tv in seven years it's not zero uh and so to the extent that it provides meaningful reach it's somewhere you'll want to be um, and so I think we'll, 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 we'll be there, but at the same time, how do you transform your investment and how do you transfer your business to be more digital? That's what NFL plus is for our owned and operated assets. And it is, it, it's mainly made up of in-market mobile games. It's made up of historical games and game replays, NFL films content, and it has been, uh, exceeded our expectations. Um, and so I think, I think it will continue to be a focus for us to actually increase our subscription digital presence. The Pro Bowl. Yeah. You just had it. What do you think? I think it was a really good um, culmination of a lot of work and experimentation and effort um, to uh, 
try to transform that event. Um, and especially doing it in ways that um, really highlight these players, not only athletic ability, but who they are. I think you got to learn a lot about them, you know, without their helmets, having fun. Um, I think it was a great way to showcase, which is a real focus of ours, which is flag football, uh, which is growing in this country and internationally, which we hope to be an Olympic sport, uh, which is we love all types of football, including including flag. Um, and I think we were really happy with the initial initial results. Uh, it was different. I think purists who wanted to see the Pro Bowl in a, in a football game probably didn't like it. I think a lot of people who didn't like the fact that the, they didn't feel the Pro Bowl felt like a real football game said they've always said it's just like a flag football game. So okay, well we'll play flag. <laughs> I think they liked it. Um, so I think, and I think as importantly, all the feedback we got from the players, they really liked it. And so much of that event is about. Are they into it? Do they like it? Are they enjoying it? Um, so I think it's a really good first year of doing something completely different. So it the would, lowest viewership since 2006, how does that play into how you view this? Again, I, I think I think it's lower view. I think it was just shy of 7 million viewers. So one end, you can look at it's the lower viewership then, the other, then and since 2006 or whatever it was. The other way to look at it is it, I, I think you ask any TV executive, would they love 7 million viewers? I think they would, you know, climb over each other to get 7 million viewers. And so I think it depends how you look at it. I think anything new, you're going to have to build it um, and continue to invest in it. So I, I, we don't get overly concerned about is it seven or eight or it's more about are we on to something here? Can we build on it? Can you build it into what essentially is a reinvented new property? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think we were happy with it. If you're taking suggestions, yeah, I don't know if you are. Of course I we are. Do, you listen every week, so you know we, we have some suggestions. I do sometimes. not listen every week, okay. but thank you. Uh, almost every week. <laughs> Alex Reith Miller transcribes okay. did, it did, for did, you, did you listen to Eric Shanks? I didn't. I didn't actually. You will you? I will. I will. Okay. So I would have the players in their actual uniforms, you know, darks and white and, and whites. I think that would make it pop more. Like their actual jerseys? Their actual jersey. So yeah. Jamar Chase is wearing a Bengals black jersey and yeah. the defender's wearing whatever nfs you know um giants white jersey i just think it would pop more and also we're not it's good to see players faces they get to know them but i think we'd recognize them right away yeah and i think that would be so that's a good note you I know like so i will take uh a percentage of the 110 billion for that um <laughs> if that's okay is that how it works um question i've written a couple times about the announcers um and the movement there how much when you look at the scheduling do like having a good booth is that important to you in, in, in terms of uh, what networks do? I mean, I think, you know, the networks make those decisions. Um, they're ultimately the experts on production. Uh, so, you know, we're uh, far be it from us to tell those guys how to do it and what to do. They're very they're very good at it. Um, I we do. I do think uh, do you guys ever make a suggestion, though, not in terms of exactly who you want. I'm not saying that I'm saying in terms of like, you know, you kind of need to improve this booth. I mean, they they ask our view on things and mm -hmm. we give it to them. You'd have to ask them how much they weigh it or not. I um, think they do. I, I think, think they weigh it a lot. Brian. I, I think it, you know, there's something about I, I couldn't tell you if having a certain announcer impacts a television rating. My 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 it never has been studied. My guess would be it really doesn't. But it's more about um, does this feel like an event? I remember when we did Thursday Night Football and moved it from NFL Network to broadcast. One thing that was important to us is that they use their A crew. 
behind the camera and in front of the camera, behind the camera to make sure it was produced the way that, you know, the highest quality. But second, I think when people see an A booth or, or announcer that they know or is synonymous with a big game, it, they like, this is a game I need to be at. I think it helps bring some level of gravitas to the game. Now, does it ultimately impact viewership in the long term? I, I don't know. My suspicion is no. But I think every element of a production we care about. I think there's a lot of focus on the announcers because they're literally the faces. But I think as much attention should be and is paid to uh, the guys in the truck, how it's shot, the graphics package, all of that stuff really matters. And we've I've been in this business long enough to know that there's always been an idea that's been kicked around. We should do alternative camera angles and let the people pick their own cameras, meaning fans. And that's been tried in different versions. It all comes back to, you know what? The guys in the truck are really good at this and they will find the shot. They will find the replay. They will tell the story. And so it's really a combination of all those production elements that we're most concerned about versus who's in the booth. That's how we look at it. Last question, and, John Oren. Andrew, I, I know you think I'm the only Washington Wizards fan uh, alive. We have another one on set right here. I, but I, I, ref I refuse to call them the Wizards. I call them the Bullets. Still oh, the wow. Bullets. I like that. Yeah. Bullets, cool. Yeah. Last question. What's the future of gambling in terms of your perspective for the NFL? I mean, I think we'll I think we'll continue. I think I think I think we'll continue to lean into it. Um, I, our view has always been the same. We've been consistent about first and foremost. Um, we want to make sure it's safe for the consumer. Um, the reality is um, it's new as far as a legalized uh, uh, activity. And so we want to make sure the regulation gets done right, that it's done in a safe way. Um, second, there's also a realization that while maybe every gambler is an NFL fan, not every NFL fan is a gambler. So we want to make sure that as we serve this part of our fan base, we do it in ways that serve them, but don't alienate uh, the non-gambler. So I think you see things uh, like a limit of how many ads there are, or you won't see graphics in our broadcasters that just inundate you with gambling information. Um, so I think it'll continue to grow. I think we've just uh, hit the point where I think it's really becoming national in scale and that just enough states and enough of the right states have adopted legalized gambling that's starting to get some national scale to it before it was more local. So I think you'll see more of a pickup and national engagement on it. Um, and so we'll We'll continue to license content around it in ways that make sense. Um, and we'll continue to work with regulators to make sure it's done in a safe way. Um, and so we'll continue to evolve. I, I don't see, I don't think you should wait around for any telecast or you see the NFL turning over all of their content into gambling. Um, I don't think you'll see that. When you have 190 million fans, there's a lot of non-gamblers and we're gonna, we're very cognizant of that. You know, for somebody who doesn't listen to the podcast, you seem to know the topics really well. You seem to you know our pacing. You've been I, talking about the same topics for a decade. So I've, <laughs> I've read a couple more. Uh, Brian Rolop, Chief Media Officer for the NFL. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. Um, really enjoyable. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Good. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the time. Me. Appreciate it. It's fun. John, Brian Rolap was excellent. Your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway? I think he broke some news. Uh, yeah. we're, we're talking about the YouTube and Sunday ticket. There's a potential that you can get a, a discounted package that maybe doesn't have all the games. I've never heard that before. Nope, that's going to be a, a big story, and people are going to be very interested to see where that goes. Uh, Rolap was great. He's very intelligent. 
Harvard, Harvard Business School. Uh, I almost got in, uh, but didn't apply. And so uh, <laughs> roll off, uh, very smart. All right, that, you know, I went to school in Cambridge. You did? Where'd you go? Cambridge, Maryland. There you go. <laughs> that's what, when I was a kid, I went to Ithaca. I applied to Hartford, and my big joke was I was going to say it really quick so people thought I went to Harvard. I went to Hartford. <laughs> I ended up going to Ithaca. We want to thank a bunch of people from the NFL. Uh, Alex Reef Miller, who set up our interview with Roloff. Appreciate that. Jason Kleinman and Jay Julio, who put it all together behind the scenes. And then, of course, Chris Mason, AC White, our guys uh, who do all the work uh, from SBJ uh, putting it together. And this is from SBJ and the New York Post. He's John Oran. I'm Andrew Marshan. What do we got to tell him at the end here, John? Bonus pod. Like and subscribe. Thanks, everybody.